Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Welcome to the program this evening. I'd like to bring in our radio audience as we welcome New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. He joins just a few days after signing New Jersey's $54 billion budget, a budget that came in 7% higher than last year's. But conservatives in his state are calling it, quote, a feeding frenzy of unexplained pork. Governor, thank you for joining us. So you avoided a government shutdown in your state, record-setting budget. How concerned are you, though, about further spending into the, an economy that already is dealing with high inflation and there's also concerns about a recession that could affect residents in your state? Good to be with you, Anne-Marie. Um, notwithstanding the criticisms you cited, in fact, almost universally the opposite is true. Uh, it's the most fiscally responsible budget in the history of the state. It has the highest surplus of over $8 billion. That's unheard of. Part of the reason why spending has gone up in our administration is very simply we inherited a state uh, from the prior administration that didn't meet its obligations, it didn't make a full pension payment, it didn't fully fund public education, it didn't invest in the economy or in addressing inequities, and we've done all of that. Uh, I'm worried, uh, like everybody is, about a potential softening of the economy, which is why we have, again, a record surplus, paying down indebtedness. We made our full pension payment. We fully funded public education. Uh, we've now had 20 tax cuts for middle-class families and seniors since we came into office. Uh, so I, I am very comfortable with this budget, notwithstanding a lot of uncertainty, uncertainty in the world, for sure. Uh, there also is going to be a sunset on uh, a tax that businesses pay, and a lot of conservatives have been pushing for this. You yourself uh, think that actually this is prudent for the state of New Jersey to remain competitive, but it's drawn a lot of error from uh, progressives who want to see it. The other concern at the same time is states like yours are starting to see more limited tax revenues as the economy slows. Are you prepared? Is Jersey prepared when the collections potentially start to slow even further or at one point maybe go negative? Yeah, I mean, the answer in short is we are, but that's a new thing for New Jersey. We haven't been this well prepared in 30 or 40 years. In fact, we have let this corporate surcharge uh, sunset and that was the right thing to do. We put it in place when I first got into office when I inherited a state that was a fiscal train wreck and we had no other choice but we made a commitment to the big corporations that said listen you pay up a little bit here more for a bridge period uh we will be true to our word and let this expire we need you to be true to your word that uh they've said to us if you let it expire we're going to invest and create more jobs in the state uh, but the the fact of the matter is i do expect that the economy will soften and when you look at our big drivers of revenue, corporate business tax, personal income tax, sales tax, we monitor those literally on a daily basis. And we think we've got a big enough surplus and enough latitude in this budget that we'll be able to withstand uh, a softness and frankly come out the other side of that uh, stronger than ever before. 
When you're looking at taxes at places like New Jersey, like New York, obviously these are states that are looking for relief when it comes to taxes. And the New Jersey Congressman Josh Gottheimer weighed in on SALT deduction. This was a conversation um, with us here on Wall Street, Wall Street Week back in May. Take a listen to what he had to say. I think the Republicans know uh, that they have two and a half years to figure something out to cut a deal. As time goes on, it's less and less attractive to negotiate, and we'll just take the full deduction back. Mm. Governor, do you see any hope in Washington that salt will be on the table to, for a discussion? I certainly hope so. I mean, Josh has been a great fighter on this. Uh, we've fought it every step of the way. It's ironic for all the criticism we face from our friends across the aisle, the biggest, overwhelmingly, the biggest tax ever imposed on New Jersey residents was the cap limiting the state and local tax deduction. That was brought to you by Donald Trump and a Republican-led Congress. Uh, so folks, let's, let's, let's make sure we're being honest with ourselves. Listen, I hope there's latitude for some kind of a deal. I think Josh is rightfully pointing out that as the clock ticks further and further, toward this deadline, uh, there may be less latitude, but I'm not going to give up fighting for it. Well, Governor, if we're going to be honest, we should note that in the last session, the Democrats had control of the House, the Senate, and the White House, and still most of Trump's era tax cuts remain in place. I want to ask you about um, another topic that I know is incredibly important to you, and this is what's going on in New York in terms of the congestion pricing plan. It's received its latest final approval last month, and it's reported that you've actually hired attorneys. Do you plan on suing New York? No news to make there yet, Anne-Marie, but we are lawyering up and we're considering all of our options. Uh, and listen, for folks who are tuning in on this for the first time, I'm not opposed to, to mitigating climate or pollution. In fact, we've got the strongest environmental record of any state in America. But we can't fix a broken MTA in New York City on the back of New Jersey commuters. Uh, that's not our job. Uh, and, and so th this discriminates against New Jersey commuters. It's a huge tax on them. It frankly challenges our environment uh, because of all the rerouting of traffic that will take place. I'm extremely What would you propose instead of congestion pricing? Well, at, at a certain time and place and, and at a certain rate, this is not necessarily a bad idea. But let me just remind everybody, before we got here, Everybody dragged their feet on the Port Authority bus terminal. That's years away from getting rebuilt. Everybody dragged their feet and canceled the Gateway Tunnel predecessor project, which is two more rail tunnels under the Hudson. When both of those are complete and there's a fair deal to discuss, that's something I'd be completely open to. But this is not the time or the place. Neither of those things are in fact in place. And I'm not gonna allow the MTA to balance its books on the back of New Jersey commuters. So you have no news to make on this, but you said you are lawyering up. So are you looking at all the potential legal paths forward for Jersey? We are, in all aspects, legal and otherwise. Um, we will not, okay. and we also have the Port Authority, which is a, which is a player here, and, and that's uh, another avenue that we are constantly assessing. Uh, we cannot allow this to the MTA to fix its broken finances on the back of Jersey commuters. We're not going to let that happen. 
I want to also ask, ask, speaking of commuters, uh, Newark is a major hub, especially for United. Uh, we have been hearing from the CEO. There's been a lot of issues regarding flight disruptions. And uh, Scott Kirby actually told staff in a letter that United could, quote, further change uh, or reduce schedule to improve operations out of Newark. Has Scott Kirby reached out? How concerned of you that United may actually scale back its presence at Newark Airport? We speak to Scott and his team all the time uh, about this and about other matters. Uh, this has been a tough several weeks here in the Northeast United States. This isn't unique to Newark, and I know I know Scott knows that. Uh, we, we work as best we can with the Port Authority, which runs the airport, with the big players, including United, with the feds. I think Scott is also on record that he thinks that this is a an air traffic controller issue in terms of staffing levels, um, but we're investing in Newark's tomorrow. Terminal A opened a few months ago to great fanfare. The rest of it will all be entirely open to all the other gates uh, by the middle of September. We're early stage on Terminal B. Uh, this is an incredible gem. When you pitch New Jersey around the world, as I do when you pitch corporates to come in and plant a flag, uh, the connectivity with Newark Liberty Airport is a big part of that pitch. So we will stay vigilant on that, I promise you. And I just want to end on the political landscape. Of course, the 2024 GOP hopeful is your predecessor. He's going after this anti-Trump lane. Um, doesn't seem like it's potentially working with Trump's base, though, because Trump has this massive appeal on the base. Do you think potentially he can draw voters on the Democratic side, given uh, he was the governor at one point of your state? I'm not sure about that, honestly. I think he's been very effective on prosecuting the, the case against uh, former President Trump. And I think if he's on the debate stage, he'll prove that even more so. I just wish he had been like this in 2016, because one could argue that the biggest, most important endorsement that Donald Trump got as a candidate that year was from Chris Christie. I guess better late than never, uh, but I think he's very effective and I wouldn't underestimate him. And you're, of course, involved in 2024 because you're on the president's advisory board. You're going to be a surrogate, I imagine, really going out on the campaign trails. We gear up for November of 2024. Do you expect that you're going to be used even more to go out and pitch the president's agenda, given the fact that poll after poll continues to um, just show that Americans are still quite concerned about the president's age? Yeah, I'd be happy to go out anytime, anywhere for the president and vice president. Their track record, I'd say, in particular on the economy and on leading the coalition in this aggressive, uh, obscene war that Russia has, uh, has uh, initiated on Ukraine. I think the work on both of those fronts is outstanding. I read somewhere recently, and this is important to note, that Ronald Reagan's numbers in the middle of 1983 were actually quite weak. The economic recovery had really started with the Wall Street upsurge in the late summer of 82, and it hadn't caught up with his popularity. I suspect you're going to see something very similar happen with Joe Biden. And if I could be a part of that as a surrogate or any other way, I'd be honored to. I have a final quick yes or no, Governor. Are you still keeping the door open for your own political future for the executive branch? That's an emphatic no, but thank you for asking.
<laughs> well, I mean, you've um, alluded to it in the past. So uh, many are still potentially uh, gearing, thinking that you might wait in the wings if potentially there isn't a Biden in 2024 or maybe in 2028. So if you change your uh, mind, I'll, please do let I'll us the, know first here. You'll be, you'll be the first I call, but I'm a thousand percent behind Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. All right, Governor Phil Murphy, thank you so much for your time today. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.